0: Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Diana Furcott, roth uh, you know her. She's a regular on the program. She has served uh, in in senior positions for the White House, uh, a leading economist, uh, she's with the Heritage Foundation. Uh, she brings so much to every conversation. I always love having her on the program. Uh, today we got a really interesting topic, and it really gets to the heart of you know how do we help countries? How do we help people? And uh, I you know and and I think that's always a good conversation to have, but. I think it's really important to have a very consequential view of what we're trying to do here. And uh, recently, uh, Diana wrote an interesting article over at Forbes uh, where she's also a contributor there on de- developing countries need modern energy, not client reparations. Man, I, 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 love, I just love the, uh, the gist of that title alone says so much. Uh, Diana, before we get into our topic, though, today, a little bit about the work you're doing and, uh, and, and of course, your relatively new work you're doing at Heritage.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on your show, Kevin. So, at the Heritage Foundation, I direct the Center on Climate, uh, Energy, and the Environment. And what we do is we look at alternative ways of powering electricity, of making lives better for individuals, of making energy and gasoline more affordable. And we look at the best way to use energy to power our economic growth and our economy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, our topic, that's heritage.org. Uh, our topic today, uh, let's jump right straight into that. It's an interesting debate. And when, when I look at it, you know, the one, the one thing that always comes to my mind is the hubris of countries with a $30 trillion debt wanting to spend more money on countries around the world to solve their problems while we clearly can't solve our own.
1: Exactly, yes. And at the Conference of the Parties meeting in Egypt last month, uh, country, the Western countries decided to get together and pay climate reparations to developing countries. And my Forbes column argues that this concept of climate reparations is fundamentally flawed because it goes along with encouraging these emerging economies not to use conventional fuels. That's natural gas, oil, nuclear, and coal. But the West should not prevent these countries from using modern sources of energy because they need them to attain the benefits of industrialization and economic growth, just as we have these benefits here in the United States. We have hot showers. We have cars. We can drive to grocery stores, load in a week's full of groceries, and come back and put it in our mammoth refrigerator. People in developing economies also want to be able to do the same, and they cannot get to that level with wind and solar alone. So for the West to say to these countries, we are going to pay you to discourage you from using these sources of energy and we're going to compensate you for rising sea levels or more droughts or anything like that, which is, by the way, very difficult to prove. It's very difficult to prove uh, that uh, greenhouse gas emissions have resulted in a particular drought in a particular country or a particular rise in sea levels, because many of these weather phenomena have been going on for millennia. We even read mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible about droughts and floods. There's, uh, there's the, um, the, the drought in Egypt that caused the seven years of famine. There's Noah's flood. So these things are not new. And well, causality I, yeah. is difficult to prove.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh and and there are but you know, uh, for those who are questioning the Bible, I totally understand that. Uh neither I don't I don't treat it I don't talk about it as science. You know, oh, but, oh, okay, but
1: okay, okay, well, well uh, all right Kevin, that's there's, but, there's but like Egypt there's, there's,
0: plenty, there's plenty I was gonna just say, but like in the case of Egypt you mentioned there's volumes of records about that. That the Egyptians wrote about that. And so, uh, th- there's no question about it. This is an old problem that goes way back before carbon f- footprint. <laughs> right. <laughs> way, exactly. way back. And and yeah. uh, and so and by the way, and I I don't I don't advocate not doing anything about our current situation. The situation is different now, more intense, more common than ever. I get that. But there's also a certain amount of futility when it comes to – it's like Don Quixote chasing windmills when you look at the left view of how do you deal with climate change. Uh, because the, the big elephant in the room, if you will, China, uh, they're not doing they're – not, they're not even getting close to dealing with this issue. And as long as China continues to do what it does, uh, you know, we're going to have to go into the Stone Age to compensate for their abuse of uh, the environment. That's absolutely true.
1: and We need to be encouraging encouraging them to develop fracking and the natural gas uh, power plants that we have had here in the United States that we have that have reduced our emissions so much, Kevin, uh, over the past 20 years. Uh, We haven't signed Mm -hmm. the Kyoto Agreement. We didn't sign the Paris Agreement. But our emissions have been steadily declining due to the increased use of natural gas which is a dense form of energy that is very successfully and inexpensively in general uh, powering our economy,
0: along with, yeah, of no course,
1: uh, oil and coal. Coal is still very important to
0: our economy. Right, and, you know, I, I totally get the transition. I certainly personally uh, believe in the impact, uh, but there's got to be sensible ways of doing it. I would love to see more debate on uh, tactical approaches to to deal with uh, some of these storm and other uh, drought issues uh, rather than strategic ones pretending like we know what the strategy is. It's almost farcical.
1: Exactly, yes. And human flourishing uh, has always needed energy and modern energy. One of the big advantages of being in the United States is the availability of cheap energy. And in many parts of the developing world, they do not have running water Uh, They do not have access to reliable and resilient energy, and wind and solar are not going to get it to them, because the wind doesn't blow all the time, uh, the sun doesn't shine all the time, and you need to use electricity at times when the wind is not blowing and the sun is not shining, and we do not have the storage capacity for the wind and solar. So we cannot store it properly for times when this energy is not being generated. That's the fundamental problem we have.
0: Yeah, and although they've made progress in that front, the gap between where we are and what we need is enormous. Uh, you know, and I, I'm, 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 I'm sure we're years away before we can properly score that. And, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in spite of our best advances. And so, yeah, we need a multi-tier approach. And so uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the fact is, and we, and we were talking about this during the break. It, it, I don't question the intentions of those who want to help others. And I think there's a lot of that going on even in the, uh, in this discussion that we've been having about what progressives have been trying to do. But the question is, is, is it even in the best interest of the recipients? Is it going to be done without fraud and corruption? Well, when I think about it, a lot of the countries that are involved, I have doubts about that. Will it fundamentally help? The people on the ground, the average person in these countries, to me, it seems like there's a more sensible approach, which is to help people transition based on reality, making energy more affordable. And there's probably ways of doing that.
1: Exactly, yes. Well, it's very difficult to draw a causal correlation between damages from specific weather-related disasters in developing countries and Western emissions. Uh, And sometimes the damage from extreme weather events relates to a lack of building standards or an unwise location of development where governments build poorly constructed roads or houses in areas that are vulnerable to flooding. And the cause of these disasters is not climate change, but poor governance and poor building codes. Some of the belts, uh, uh, yeah, some of the projects that China has built in these developing countries uh, have not worked out so well. In other words, the roads uh, have not been resilient to floods. Uh, Some of the bridges have not been resilient. So we need to be um, very careful about what we do. We also need to be taking a strong look at nuclear there was an announcement this week that Rolls-Royce is building small modular nuclear reactors uh, in the UK to support the INEOS uh, Scottish uh, Power Plant oil oil refinery. So we need to be looking yes. at the uses of these uh, small modular nuclear reactors, also major nuclear power plants. We should consider... Um, building more of them even though they take time uh, we have a very short-sighted view here in the west and many people have been saying for years well we don't want to invest in nuclear power because it's going to take so long well they said that 10 years ago if they had just invested we would have that power right now and france has generated 70 percent of its electricity from nuclear power it's a little bit down now now it's about 50 or 60 uh, but they've done it very efficiently, as the French always do, with no accidents. And we can copy that much. Yes.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, you know, when we hear, hear about the European crisis of energy uh, because of uh, the, the war with uh, Russia and Ukraine, you don't hear France in that conversation much. Uh, it's every other country around there, but you don't hear France much because they're relatively prepared because of what you just described. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. so they're very uh they're very pragmatic. They're not going to shut down a nuclear power plant if it means that uh they don't have enough uh fuel for cooking or for heating or for sending their kids to school. They know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile the uh you know uh, you mentioned uh, the UK, uh, a lot of these countries are reconsidering their fast track. Uh, uh, you know, from nuclear to going, well, we don't ha- really have anywhere else to go unless we want to be economic hostages of Russia, which is really, for many of them, that's their only choice. So uh, there has to be a better way. Diane, I always love having you on the program. I'm going to let you have an opportunity to uh, wrap up with your final thoughts. And uh, also go ahead and give your website, not only the Heritage one, if you wish for people to uh, get more information about all the work you do.
1: Uh Yes, my website is dianafr.com, that's www.dianafr.com, and I write regularly for Forbes.com on transportation, energy, and technology issues, and it's such an honor to be on the program with you today, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, I love you on. We we have you on once a month. Sometimes I try to wiggle in an extra time with you because uh, you bring so much to every program. Uh, you're a great, uh, a great asset to our conversations, too. Diana, I've always love having you on, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you. You and the listeners, too. I'm Kevin Price. This, this is the Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.